0: Hi, my name is Joshua. Uh, About 12 years ago, I was just a student over here at University of North Texas. And yeah, go Mean Green. Scrappy, he's our guy. Um, And the Lord sent people to the campus to meet me there. I was not someone who was planning to get involved in like a campus ministry or church or anything like that. I had grown up in church, but I was thinking, hey, maybe it's my chance to kind of chill on some of that stuff. But God introduced me to some really cool people that loved me and taught me how to follow him as an adult. And I'm really, really grateful. And so we have a lot of students coming, some are returning, some are really new to our town, uh, you know, to Denton, to both of our universities um, and NCTC and stuff like that. We just, we love students because we know that we can be that channel for reaching people. And so we have amazing students on our campuses who do that and leaders and staff and pastors and stuff like that, who have really made a huge difference in people's lives like mine. So I would not, be here if it wasn't for God and for people who were listening to what he wanted them to do. So a bit of our church overview, we were planted in like 2014-ish or so. We're here to uh, make immature disciples who love, serve, and share Jesus. And we want to be a place where hearts are turned toward God and lives are changed. We've been doing that uh, initially when we first planted, we were like 80% students, something like that, which is kind of fun and crazy. But we've been around for a while now and have slowly been able to like keep some people as they graduate, and if they can find a job near enough, then they get to stay here in Denton and help us continue building this church and planting this church together. And we love getting to hang out with college students still, and so we love that we get to have a high percentage of college students as well. One of the uh, people who sometimes hangs out in front of the building here asked me one time, like, why are y'all always so young? Like, <laughs> is that on purpose? And I was like, nope, we'd love some older people. And he was like, where's the, like, where's the other church though? Like the one with the other people? Like he thought we were like a little, just the youth group or something. And I was like, this is it, man. Sorry. And you wouldn't believe it, but I'm in charge of some stuff. So oh. <laughs> um, anyway, so um, yeah, it just like is one of those things when you look back on your story and you, people say like, you know, God has a sense of humor and stuff. And you can kind of look back and be like, man, God saw something that he could do with my life and what he could do through other people. That's really cool. So now if anyone ever says God has a sense of humor, you can say, I met that guy. The other day, he he talked for a long time at church. (laughs) That's what they're talking about. Um, So we have a a little bit of a gap between like starting our fall plan for sermons, and so we're gonna do like two Sundays of sort of blank canvas kind of stuff. Where I'm preaching this week, Leslie next week about whatever we'd like to preach about, whatever's on our heart. So this week we'll be talking about coffee and Bob Dylan and Seinfeld. We're just
1: gonna
0: (laughs) find a way to make it work. So anyway, the real thing we're talking about is um, something that happened a little less than a year ago for me. Um, We were at a men's retreat last year in November and spent about four hours in solitude, fasting, praying, worshiping, walking with God. We did that individually and then had some time together as well. And um, we're in this kind of beautiful area by a lake and it was cold, but I just went a long walk and I just let my mind just wander with God. I didn't try to restrict myself to a list of prayer requests or anything. I tried my best to imagine God right there with me every step as I was walking, every thought intentionally shared with him, every observation and nature around me shared with him, every word expecting to be heard, every silence, a chance for him to speak or just to be silent with me. And this kept my mind from wandering away from him, you know, as if I was kind of having my own private thoughts and into a conversation with myself or something like that. But my mind could wander with him. I wasn't, it wasn't in a hurry. I didn't have to get all my prayers out all at once. And I gradually just sensed the theme of the thoughts that God was kind of nudging into my mind. It started instantly enough with just missing my two sons, neither of which I had been apart from for very long before. And I'd specifically never been apart from Ezra overnight. He's our three-year-old. At the time, he was uh, almost two and a half. And I started thinking of things Ezra would get excited about showing me sometimes. Like uh, at the time, he was really into proudly showing whatever toy he was playing with at the time as if I hadn't seen it like a ton of times or maybe been the one to give it to him or the snack he was eating, you know, he would just hold it up and be like, look, dad, you know, and it'd be like, I gave you that snack like five minutes ago. Um, And just thinking of little sweet moments like that. And then I started, you know, after ruminating on that, missing my kids and stuff like that, I started thinking about my own dad, which is a much more complicated relationship for me. Lots of baggage, hurt feelings, mistrust. And if I but if I dig past that stuff, there's good memories there, too. It's not all bad. There's fun, patience, encouragement, a lot of things that he supported me in when I was younger. Um, but I was kind of frustrated because the thoughts about my dad kind of burst the bubble of my uh, sweet thoughts about my own kids. And I asked God about that. Why are these thoughts coming to mind? There's a lot of unresolved stuff between my dad and I, but we've been starting to work on it. Was that it? Was that why I was thinking about it? I miss my kids. Was it just my mind wandering or was there something God wanted me to think about? So I chewed on that for a while and I started to think about the insecurity I've even felt myself off and on about being a parent. Sometimes being a parent seems normal, but then you think about it like a little too long and you freak the heck out because you're like realizing someone let you be in charge of some babies. And if I'm honest, like I'm still a baby like a lot of the time about stuff. Like I am not a mature person all the time. So that if you think about it too long, you kind of freak out and realize like, wait, I'm in charge of these guys. Um, so whoever put me in charge of these kids is really irresponsible, um, and they should be punished. I started thinking about the mistakes my dad made and wanting so much not to make those same mistakes. That kind of adds that insecurity. How nice it would be to have a perfect template to follow of fatherhood or parenthood. Uh, a father who I could try to be like. And as I went deeper down this rabbit trail, the theme started kind of dawning on me. The thread that connected all these different thoughts, fatherhood, parenthood. God was not trying to make me think about this stuff so he could reveal the secrets of being a perfect parent, or at least not yet. So, waiting on that. He wasn't trying to clue me into the secret to how to heal my relationship with my dad either, or at least not yet. Still eagerly waiting on that one, too. And so, if you're not a dad or you don't have a dad right now, I have good news because this is not really what this sermon's about. Because I think what God was trying to make me think about was him, the father, our father. It started kind of making sense to me, like he was trying to say, trying to remind me, I'm your father, I'm your parent, don't you remember? And As I was stewing on that, I realized, what I think was kind of the culmination of about three years of kind of abysmally slow realizations for me, that I had, until that point, very rarely thought of God as my father. That's like a, a thing that we say a lot, but I hadn't really let it affect my thinking. And the great irony of that is that just a week or two before this retreat that I was on, uh, I had preached a sermon about the first section of the Lord's Prayer, Our Father Who Art in Heaven, Hallowed Be Thy Name. So whatever, kind of found my way there, maybe a few weeks too late, but whatever, <laughs> it was fine. So here's what I want us to think about. Like, I think there's three main categories. These are perfect, but I think there's three main categories of how we think about and relate to God. So the first would be, as our Father, our Heavenly Father. I think the second one, this is where I put myself uh, most of my life following God as my boss, you know? And you can have a great boss. You can have a boss that you really enjoy working for, um, but he's your your boss. He's not your father. It's a real different um, type of relationship. And then sort of more removed than that is ruler or someone who's ruling over you. Think like, you know, King Charles, Putin, Jeff Bezos, someone like that who's just kind of (laughs) like... This distant ruler that we don't get to know very well. Um, So father, boss, ruler. And I realized that the boss way of thinking about God actually worked well for me for a long time. I cared about the work I was doing for God. I felt like I have a duty, I have a job to do. It matters to me. And he's a good boss. It's been great. It's been this really good relationship we've had. And I like working for him. But there's a huge element missing there if you don't add the father thing in there. And I realized just the flaw in my thinking that boss can only get me so far in my relationship with God. So what about you? How do you typically think of God? I realize this is one of those things. If you're like me, and it took, you, took me like three years to sort of really realize this problem I had. It might be a hard question to answer. How do you typically think of God? When you're talking with him, how do you imagine him? How do you regard him? If your communication was with him was sort of like that recorded and then played back to you, how would it sound? What kind of person would it sound like you're talking to? Would it sound like you're talking to your dad or a boss or a ruler? Which of the three options do you most closely align with? Think about that for a second. So, the past year that I've been tinkering with this idea, I've talked with uh, quite a number of people in this room about this, and it's kind of workshopped it. Manny got like the first earliest draft of this right after this prayer time I'd had last year and just kind of like gave him the roughest, roughest draft and he was so nice and patient listening to it. Um, But I've been thinking about it, I've talked with you and with a lot of you and I've noticed that almost every single person I've talked to has in some way related to this exact problem of struggling to think of God as your father. Some more, some less, but um, just that not being their typical daily way of regarding God. Now, I think there can be some really obvious reasons for this, depending on your story. Father can have like some real serious shortcomings as a, as a label or as a category. Uh, it can be really complicated depending on our stories, but it could be someone you didn't know, someone you wish you didn't know, someone you love deeply and someone you, someone you miss maybe, someone you don't understand, someone who makes really bad puns. There's like all over the map there. How can we modify our imperfect, subjective, totally unique to each one of us? understandings and definitions of father. Our definitions are just too limited. They're too small, they're too flawed. How can we expand them? How can we improve them? I think um, that we can ask, we can look to how God talked about himself to at least be a really good guideline about this for us. So here's a point I wanna to make to you. I wanna say this first, and then I'll kind of talk about why I think it's the case, but it's not that controversial or complicated. But the main point I want to make is just that God is the best father, and he very specifically wants to be known as our father. He's the best father. He very specifically wants to be known as our father. So based on scripture, how does God seem to want to be known and be thought of? And how does God want to think about us? How does he think about us? So if you do a deep dive in scripture on this, you totally can. There's a lot there in my initial notes of this sermon had about 20 different scriptures that I had chosen and kind of favorited or whatever. And I kept all 20, so buckle up. I'm just kidding. I did, I'm not going to do that to you guys. But my mother-in-law, Barb, loves to like choose a word or a topic and then just spend weeks or months taking a slow, um, you know, journey through the Bible, looking at every passage of scripture that has that word or topic in it. And she loves to just see what connections come up. So I'd really highly recommend you do that with Father God being our Father as being His children. There's tons there. More than one or two or three sermons. Good, good. So, um, God establishes this idea of being our Father really early in Scripture. The foundations laid across the Old Testament. Though many of the references are less on the nose in the Old Testament than what we kind of find in the New Testament. In Genesis, in the beginning, God creates everything. Many Psalms reference this creation, this Father and Creator. Um, uh, aspect of God, not just as a one-time event, but through his continual involvement in creation and in the world. Psalm 100 says, let the whole earth shout triumphantly to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge the Lord as God. He made us and we are his. His people, the sheep of his pasture, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. The Lord's good. His faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Um, In Psalm 139, this is one that I think many of us are really familiar with. It's just, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I'll praise you because I have been remarkably, wondrously made. So the Psalms are rich with this kind of way of relating to God. It's not the only way that we see in the Psalms, but talking about him as our creator, our parent, our father, we are his, he is ours. Um, He created us and that that type of relationship, not just this uh, one dimensional version of it. There's a lot there. What else happens fairly early in the story of the Bible in this family with God kind of idea is that God makes a covenant with Abraham. And this is not like a, you know, we see this again, but like, this is not like, Abraham, I'm gonna be your boss, dude. That's, you're gonna be my main employee. But God makes this covenant with him to make a large family with Abraham, a people belonging to God, blessed by God to be a blessing to others, the family of God. This is a really important theme across all scripture that continues into the New Testament. So we have that there too. This is like early stuff. In Deuteronomy, Moses references the same idea among his many reminders to the people of Israel. You are children of the Lord your God. You're holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord's chosen you to be his possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Just think about that. That's just like really early, first shoe books of the Bible. We are chosen. We are God's people. He wants a people of his own a possession. Um, was to be our father and us to be his kids. He made us, we're his. Our friends Isaiah and Jeremiah also do this in some of the most straightforward ways in the Old Testament. Isaiah says, Yet you are our father, even though Abraham does not know us and Israel doesn't recognize us. You, Lord, are our father. Your name is our redeemer from ancient times. Jeremiah says this, and this is including some, some words from God that he's telling Jeremiah. I thought, how I long to make you my sons and give you a desirable land. The most beautiful inheritance of all nations. I thought you'd call me my father and never turn away from me. However, as a woman may betray her lover, so you've betrayed me, House of Israel. This is the Lord's declaration. That one encapsulates the story of God and humans really well. Um, I thought you'd call me father. I thought you'd call me my father, but instead you turn away from me. God wants that relationship with us, He wants to be our father, He wants us to be His children. We're the ones that turn away. But this is the kind of relationship he wants with us. So fast forward to the New Testament. Guess how many times Jesus refers to God as the Father? Just so, someone throw something out. All great guesses. Over 150. Depending on the translation, over 150. I would have never got that. This is one of several things that irked the Pharisees a little bit, too, because at this point they had codified the father and child kind of relationship to only really seem appropriate when you're talking about the entire people of Israel. Like, oh, all of Israel is God's son. but They certainly weren't ready for someone to come on the scene and call God their own father all the time. Or for that person to encourage everyone else to do it also. Not just do it as like, hey, I get to do this because, you know, I'm his son. But like, encourage other people to call God father. That's what Jesus does. He didn't just talk about God the way he did because he was allowed to because he was God's son. But he, he encouraged his followers and anyone who would listen to do the same. Remember, Jesus modeled how to live and be and love God and love our neighbors for our sake. He was showing us how to live. He was not just doing things and be like, but you don't, you don't do this stuff. Or this one's just for me. He was trying to model how to live, be, love God, love our neighbors. So what does he say? I referenced this earlier. How does he say to pray? We start with our Father. There we go. Yep. Start with our Father. Right before that section of the Lord's Prayer, he's, Jesus gives a description about how to pray. And when he says, he says, When you go to pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask Him. Jesus is really encouraging this close and personal relationship and communication with God as our father, not just reserving that for himself. I mean, many of us are so familiar with this stuff, but do we live like that? Like most of these scriptures are ones we know, we've heard, we've, we've read them. Do, do we live like that? Or are we so familiar that it's not even cool or amazing to us that that's the kind of God we have? He wants to be known as our father. He wants that kind of relationship with us. I think I was that way and very much numb to these things growing up. So used to hearing these passages as a kid, singing songs about God being our father, reading these passages. The idea of God, Lord, creator of the universe, wanting that kind of small, intimate, loving relationship completely slid underneath my radar for such a long time. I was in, in church, at least, growing up, too busy doodling in the bulletin to notice the, like, just really cool, crazy thing happening in front of me. Beyond just an important recommendation about how to address God um, that Jesus gives us, he routinely describes how good of a father that God is to us. There's many scriptures like this, but here's just one. In Luke, he says, "Um, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you eat, the body, what you wear. For life is more than food and the body and more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn and God God feeds them. Are you worth much more than these birds? Can any of you add one moment to your life by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God closed the grass, which is in the field today, thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. The Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Delights to give you the kingdom. So so ties in great with what Anthony was just sharing. Our father delights to give us the kingdom. He cares about our needs. He cares about our daily lives. He, worry, he wants to take those worries on himself and not have us worry about them. You are worth so much to God. Think about how it's different for, you know, I don't know, your boss or a ruler or something like that. You're one of many. But whenever you're a a father, when he's your father and you're his child, you are worth so much to him. You're not replaceable in that way. He delights to give you the kingdom. He wants to provide, give, be generous. He wants you part of his kingdom, part of his family. And in John's famous introduction to his gospel, um, he says, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. This is the kind of family that God is building. One on receiving, believing in Jesus. That's that's the only really prereq. That's it. No royal blood dynasty, anything like that. It's open and you are invited. He wants you there. And right around here is where I decided to cut out a bunch of scriptures earlier because you kind of maybe get it already. Maybe this isn't even the hard part for you. Maybe you're satisfied with scriptural precedent of God being our father, right? But maybe the question you're mulling over is what kind of father is he, you know? Mm-hmm. Do I want that, that kind of relationship with him? What kind of father is he? In Exodus, Moses has this really amazing encounter with God on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And I did a deep dive in this back in March. So if you, it's a really nice area to get really nerdy about. But if you want to explore that more deeply, you can go listen to that one. But uh, God reveals his own character to Moses with this wonderful passage that you are probably familiar with. The Lord, the Lord, is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, bounding in faithful love, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. God is actually a good Father. He's actually compassionate, patient, slow to anger. He's actually faithful. He actually keeps His promises. He actually forgives over and over he cares deeply about justice and also forgives us for, for being unjust. He's actually all powerful. He made us. We are his. So no matter where we're kind of coming from with our understanding, our experience with a father, this is the kind of father that God is. Better than the worst dad. Better than the best dad. Better than the dad I hope I could be someday. He's better than all of those. So remember those different categories. Father, boss, ruler, Father boss ruler. There's so many shortcomings to just viewing God as our distant ruler that we hope we please. There's so many shortcomings to hoping we can just do our job pretty well and that our boss will be happy about it. He's our father. He loves us. There's many references across scripture about our relationship with God that do fall outside of this father dynamic. You're probably already thinking about some of those. God is a king. He actually is a king. He's a ruler over all creation, and he is a boss. He's the one we're working under and for. You'll see that reference in many places in scripture and analogies that even Jesus himself uses. But those labels are incomplete without the other, without the deeper relationship God goes out of his way to establish in scripture. He goes out of his way to do that so many times to where I had to cut out a bunch of passages. Our father is also the king of the universe. Our father is also the person that we are working for and under. That's way different than your boss that you have no relationship with outside of work or maybe that you're just buddies with, or the ruler that you'll never even have a chance to interact with. So God is the best father. And he very specifically wants to be known as our father. He goes out of his way to try to make that point. I want to ask you again, how do you typically think of God? Which of those three main options, father, boss, ruler, do you most closely align with? Because The reason I ask this is because I think the way that you think about God and the way that you think God thinks of you is going to have an absolutely massive impact on at least your faith, at least, the very least, but your whole life, your outlook each day, your identity. The way that you think of how the world works and your place in it is going to matter immensely based on how you think about God and how you think God thinks about you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyone want to try to argue the opposite. <laughs> Didn't think so. I have a, a reference that I really want to try to make sense of, and, and unfortunately, it's one of the most confusing movies that's probably ever been released. And so I'm really sorry, and I really hope that none of you that can make this make sense, even if you haven't seen it. So who has seen the movie "Inception? Okay, not. OK, not great. So ask one of those <laughs> Ask one of those people afterward if they can help you understand. I really I wish I had picked something else. But let me just tell you something. Um, in that movie, one of the important things that happens is that um, the, the whole premise of the movie is that they're going in each other's dreams. You see where I'm getting at? Why, why it's so confusing? They're going in each other's dreams, but, you know, our dreams include things that are from our real lives and things we believe or things that we're worried about and stuff. So in the movie, at least, you can go in someone's dream. You can mess with the way they think about the world can mess with their life you can also get information out of it so it's kind of like a bank heist kind of movie but inside of our dreams and at one point one of the characters discovers he's trying to do something good what he does is he finds this very secret place in his it's his wife's dream that they're in and he uh, finds this very secret place a safe and he changes something in her safe because he's trying to help her get over something Um, but what happens in this deep, deep place in her, he changes what's true or what she believes about something. And it actually causes her to, to not believe that the world is real anymore. She thinks she's still dreaming, even when they're awake, it throws a tons, tons of things off about how she understands the world. So the reason I wanted to use that reference is because what if someone snuck into your safe, the deepest part of you that affects everything about how you view yourself, God, the world, and they changed something. But what if that thing was how you think of God and how you think God thinks about you? It's an important thing that's going to affect all of your, your life, every day of your life, and how you think about your place in it. If you don't think of God as your father who loves you and wants to have you as his, as his child, it's going to have a serious impact on your life. This might be a little bit risky, but if you struggle with viewing God as your father, I want to suggest something to you to at least Try. Try visualizing interacting with God as your father. Like, visualize it with actual, like, yeah, like actually imagine he's a person. Now, I know that none of us can actually imagine that correctly. We can't fathom God in that way. So, I'm not trying to do that. That's not the point. The point is to imagine interacting with God as our father in a way that we can actually kind of wrap our heads around. We're humans. We don't think the way God does. We cannot. But we want to, we need to try to bridge this relational gap if we have it there. And I would suggest to you that this is one way to do it. Give ourselves an inherently flawed analogy so we might get a couple of steps closer to the truth of how God wants to interact with us. So my version is like this. I realize it might be helpful to have an example. Is that um, I was kind of thinking out some of the different ways that God talks about himself and different analogies we have in scripture. We have like farm, we have like vineyard and God is the one who owns it, you know? And so I thought of a vineyard and God being the one who owns this vineyard And to get myself in the right relationship with him, it's not that I just work there and just a hired hand at this vineyard. It's that God um, owns it and it's mine too because I'm his son, I'm his child. And if I work there at this vineyard with God, he wants me there because he wants to be with me. And he's not just trying to be like, how much can you get done today? You know, It's not this like get business done kind of relationship. And so getting to work with God on this vineyard is so good because he wants to be with me. He cares about being with me. He loves getting to work alongside me. He's not that worried about and he's way more capable than I am. So he's probably not even thinking I'm going to be that helpful, but he <laughs> loves that I get to that I get to be with him and help him, you know? He wants to be with me and do that, and I care about the vineyard not because I'm paid to care about it, but because it's mine too. This kingdom is is mine too. I'm part of this family and I care about it. Um, but it's not because I get something in return or like that. I care about it too. That really helped me a lot. This idea of thinking, doing some menial tasks with God. We've all done that with a friend or family member, and it's fun mm-hmm. having to like do something on your own, but then you suddenly have ham hey, cooking and your friend wants to come hang out with you. 20,000 times better yeah. to do that with a friend. Mm-hmm. We get to work alongside God. He loves being with us. So that, imagining that, that vineyard example really helps me kind of align myself. I'll think about that sometimes before I'm praying. I find myself in this, like, you know, talking to God as if he's very distant, far away. I'll be like, what would I do if I was, like, getting back from running some errands, got back to the vineyard, and, you know, my dad is just doing some stuff, and I go join him doing it. How would I talk to him? But I, I'd give him a hug, you know? Like, how would I greet if I was able to see my human father and talk with him in that same way? So I don't know if that's helpful for you, and I'm not trying to do anything crazy like in some weird gray area theologically about imagining God having a body or whatever. But just if that helps you, just please try. Um, we got to kind of shake up our, our little brains need some help sometimes. Yeah. God loves you. He made you. You're his. He's proud to be your father. He's proud to have you as his child. He wants to be with you, be close to you, to know you well. He doesn't want something from you. What could we give him that he needs? He doesn't want something. He wants you. He doesn't want to control you. He gives you freedom. He gives you choices. He cares deeply about the choices that you make, though, because he loves you. And he knows what's good, and he wants what's best for you. He knows what's good and wants what's best for you. What amazing news that is, that we get to know that about our God, believe that about him, which might take us some time, but to be able to share that with other people. I don't know where you're at there. You might need to take some time just thinking about, I need to think through the way I relate to God, the way I pray to him, the way I spend time with him. Um, But if you're already there and you're like, yes, I've been there for a long time. This has been a way I've related to God for a long time. I should preach this sermon three years ago and I should have heard it and that's totally okay. But we also get this amazing opportunity to share this with other people. This is the kind of God that we get to serve that created the universe. What good news that is. Um, as we share with other people about this God that we love, that we serve, um, we have so many good things we can say about him. And these people that we interact with that may not know God, uh, they are our long lost siblings. They are part of this. They, God wants them part of this kingdom too. He wants them to have a piece of this vineyard, so to speak. They're our long lost siblings, and we have found our father because it's help people. It's amazing news. Now we might need to like take up some of the sort of christianese jargon first like i think if you just walk up to someone on the street and be like hey i found our dad let's go to the vineyard or whatever i think you're gonna get some weird looks. so don't don't try that tactic but what kind of people would we be if we had an accurate view of god what kind of lives would we live if we had this accurate fatherly loving view of god what about if we had an accurate view of how god views us his children he already knows we're not perfect he loves us anyway he wants us part of what he's doing. He doesn't want something from us. If we had that accurate view of God, how, of how God views us, how would that change things about your life, your daily life? God's the best father, and he very specifically wants to be known as our father. He's the best father, and he wants to be known as our father. I spent through some stuff and skipped over a couple of things because we're already short on time. I'm going to close. Um, with some prayer, and then we'll do some announcements and stuff. But um, Lord, thank you for being such a good dad to us. Um, God, I pray for anyone in this room that is struggling with that for any number of reasons. Um, you know what those are. Um, I just pray you'd help us to work through that and get an accurate view of just how much you love us and how much you want and what's good for us, um, how you just want to be with us. Lord, I just... Oh, man. Um, I just pray that, that we can get that really right and be very motivated by sharing that with other people. Thanks for being just all-powerful over everything. You're holy. But we just ask that your kingdom would, be, um, would come right here in Denton, just like it is in heaven, um, and help us just to do your will and to submit ourselves to what you want to do. You're good. We trust you. Thanks for giving us all that we need every day. Thanks for providing for us, for giving us another day today that we got to wake up and come here and worship you together. Forgive us for the ways that we wander from you. You want to be our our Father, we wander away. Help us forgive people who who harm us, sin against us, um, do really horrible things to us. Help us to forgive as you have forgiven us. You just... Um, to protect us as we go. Protect us from being tempted. Protect us from all the things that want to tell us, things that aren't true about you and about ourselves. I just ask that you help us be deeply connected to what is really true in that um, inner safe in our, in our minds or in our hearts or whatever. I pray you plant what's really true. Help us to live that out. Thanks for being so good to us and being so patient. Um, you're so good. I pray, Amen. <laughs>
2: Good morning, my name is Leslie, and I am on staff here with Josh. Um, If you're not college age, or you're maybe, you know, 10, 15 years out from college, one of the things I have to warn you about is if you decide to be a part of this church, You will age twice as fast, at least, (laughs) because at the other church we came from, we were maybe in the middle age-wise, and then we came and started DNC, and we became the top tier. (laughs) So just be ready. You're going to age quickly. I just want to share some announcements with you this morning. Um, We're going to do our sign-up for small groups. The way that we do small groups here at DNC is that we in some ways, randomly assign them for a year. So they'll go from this September to next September and those small groups will stay together. So we're doing our sign-up. We need everyone to sign up quickly. If you are in college, then you have your cores through focus. But if you're not in a core, then you can sign up for one of these small groups that I'm talking about. Um, And so we need you to sign up as quickly as possible. You can do that through the Mighty Networks app. You can also do it through our newsletter. They both have the links to be able to sign up. And then on Sunday, September the 3rd, the senior center here is going to be closed. They're doing some work on the center that weekend And so we are trying to come up with a good plan for what to do that weekend. And right now, it looks like we're going to meet at the ranch. Uh, The biggest factor about whether we do that or not is going to be, if it's going to be 110 that day, probably we're going to need another plan. So the big thing is to stay tuned for what is going to happen September 3rd. The one thing we do know is it's not going to be here. So keep your eyes open for what's happening next. We also still need help on our sound team. We need people that can serve on the sound team and people that could help lead the sound team. You don't have to have any special skills. We're willing to teach you how to do it. And this is such an important need for our community on Sunday mornings. So let's help fill this team up. If you have any questions about it, you can contact me or Josh. I put both of our phone numbers on there, um, and we can answer any questions you might have or refer you to the person who can. And then we have several save the dates. That means these dates need to go on your calendar right now, and especially the date for the church retreat, we need you to protect. Put it on your calendar. Don't put anything else over it. So the first one, special contribution, is Sunday, September 24th. That one is a contribution for a future church plant. So we want to be able to start saving money for wherever the next church plant will be so that we can send them out with some money to seed their church plant. Be creative about how you save money for that. Don't get coffee one week, skip eating out, babysit an extra time, whatever it is, work a little overtime, uh, but be creative on how you put that money aside. And then Sunday, November the 5th, we'll be meeting with all of our family of churches and we'll be meeting in Richardson at the Care Church and Ian Proven is gonna be our speaker that morning. So there again, will not be services here but services in Richardson. So please save that date. And then our all church retreat is going to be Saturday, April 6th and Sunday, April the 7th, 2024. So put that on your calendar. We're going to be going to a new camp this time. It's a camp called Lakeview and it is in roughly the Waxahachie area. Um, So protect that date and get excited about doing that. Lakeview. Oh, the date? (laughs) April 6th and 7th. So it'll be early Saturday morning until noon on Sunday. And then um, don't forget about giving. We don't pass the baskets here because it's very rare that anyone uses checks or cash anymore. So you can give through Venmo or you can give through Tithely. Tithely will allow you to set up an ongoing donation if you want to, Um, but don't forget about that because that's one of the ways that we support all the things that we do here at Denton North. Don, one of our shepherds is gonna come up and lead us in a prayer, but thank you for being here today. If you have any questions, feel free to uh, tap me or Uh, Josh and we'll be able to um, help you with that or anybody else that looks like they might know feel free to ask them
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you Leslie Leslie, for making the comments about the older membership as a representative at that group We love you guys (laughs) You know one of the things about aging is you guys kind of get old with us too and what's been really cool is to see what used to be college kids when we started are now young marrieds, young singles, young marrieds, young marrieds with kids now that have really kind of helped our church family grow in amazing ways. So that's been really cool. And just one more comment on the old thing. One of the things I love most about being with this church family is you guys help me be younger in my thinking you challenge me, you inspire me, you help me grow in ways that I think would never happen if I were in a more traditional church environment. So thank you for that. You know. uh, yeah, we got a lot going on. Uh, we've got leadership uh, retreat this week. Uh, folks, Some of our focus leaders and other folks are involved in that. Move-in weekend. has happened this weekend, yes. How many of y'all were helping with that? This weekend, anybody? Nobody? Okay. They don't let them help anybody? Oh. oh, okay, darn it, sorry. Just when you think I know everything, I don't. But, uh, but no, I working for the Container Store this week has been nuts with folks calling about, where's my package? My kid's at campus, I need this, I need this. And I'm like, yeah, it's moving weekend, but not just in Denton, it's everywhere. So, But yeah, we'll be praying a lot for this new school year. Uh, and for you parents that are here today, uh, thank you for trusting us with your kids. I know that they've been a part of Focus, but we're one of, I think, many places that they call a, their church family. And we're thankful for them being here. And uh, we're going to do what we can to to be there for them just as much as that campus ministry uh, is for them as well. Uh, let's pray. God, we thank you so much for blessing us the way you have. Thank you for this morning. Thanks. For uh, Landon's thoughts and the way he shared his testimony, my gosh. Uh, thanks for how you inspire all of us through each and every one of us, our stories, our lives. Uh, but most of all, thanks for allowing us to be open and be vulnerable here at Den North. And if not, uh, I just pray that you'll help folks to realize that we we want to be a place where folks can be open and transparent and know that we want to help each other. I mean, we want to be your children. We want to see you as our Father and just help us to live that uh, as we're here. Father, I pray for our uh, new beginnings with school starting, with our campuses, our college kids, uh, be with them as they transition, especially freshmen. And for those that are transferring, say maybe from Collin, they're coming to the big school now. Uh, Just uh, be with them and help them to uh, know that you're with them, and if they're looking, I pray that you will open doors uh, and opportunities for them to get to know you. Uh, just use us in any way that we can, especially uh, our focus ministry as they do that. Father, I pray for our teachers uh, that are starting a new year with their kids and and the challenges that come with that, uh, but also the benefits that come with that, the, the kids that they get to reach and touch and care for and love. Uh, I just pray that you'll allow those uh, opportunities in those classrooms to be just amazing and that you'll work through good and bad in those classrooms. Uh, Just Father, be with our, our young married couples and our families, our new babies. Thank you for the noise that we hear in JAM that says a lot about a prayer we've had for so long that you would bring us children. And I'm just thankful for that. We're all thankful for that. Thank you for the blessing that gives uh, to us. Uh, But yeah, just be with us. Uh, I pray for those folks that are affected by the heat. Uh, Just give them comfort as much as you can. Uh, Open up opportunities for those people to have shelter where they can be comfortable for a while and uh, just help us to be listening for opportunities where we can help in areas like that. Just keep using us, and we love you. We pray all this to Christ. Amen.
0: Amen.
2: Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.